0: Mindset. You might have seen, well, you probably have. You probably read books on it. You've probably seen content on it, listen to podcasts, watch videos. And I don't know about you. I feel like a lot of people talk about mindset in a really kind of hokey pokey way that isn't really backed by science or or, or that isn't practical. And today we're going to do the opposite of that. We're going to talk about mindset hacks that you can use to crush your sales goals. And we're going to be talking to three-time presidents club winner, Andy Muborn. Before we get into the episode, you're listening to Outbound Squad. My name is Jason Bay. Thanks for tuning in. We help reps turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're doing outbound, you're sending cold emails, sending cold outreach, making cold calls, you're a BDR or SDR, maybe doing that. You're an account executive, hopefully self-sourcing pipeline. You're definitely in the right place. And we talk all about the other stuff that goes on in the sales cycle too. So discovery, demos, negotiation, closing deals, all that kind of good stuff. I'm super excited for our topic today because uh, Andy, he's someone I've gotten to know a little bit over the past couple months, and uh, honestly, I just really enjoy talking to him. I feel like we had a really good rapport. We talk about his career, so he was a three-time President's Club winner at Outreach, and he joined early on. He was in the product team and then went through customer success, and he's been an engineer before, and then he was in enterprise sales. So he's, he's had quite the career journey, and now he's the founder of a couple companies. He just recently sold a software company. And he's going to talk first about how to be a clear thinker. So how to problem solve effectively and how to learn very quickly. So there's a meta skill, learning how to learn that really accelerates the outcomes in your sales career. When you can learn uh, new techniques, excuse me, really quickly and apply it. When you can learn new personas, new messaging, all of that kind of stuff and quickly apply it. It's one of the best meta skills that you can have. We're going to talk about personal brand. And I think one of the things that he really specializes in is, you know, how do we, like, what is the importance of having a personal brand, how it can help you, and then how to get started. You know, so posting on LinkedIn, creating content, that sort of stuff. And we talk a lot about confidence. He talks a little bit about chat GPT. I mean, we talked about all kinds of stuff. If you suffer from any kind of perfectionism or imposter syndrome or caring too much about what people think, I feel like I'm talking to myself here. (laughs) You're definitely going to enjoy the episode. Uh, Before we get to the interview with Andy, make sure to subscribe, rate the show, all that kind of stuff on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so that more people exactly like you can check out the episode and so that we can continue getting great guests on. That's all I got for you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the interview. All right. Second time's the charm, dude. Um, I'm excited to talk to you. We met in a l- way that I feel like I meet a lot of people in our space. I just saw you posting a lot of content and I was talking to Tyler from Vidyard. I don't know if
1: you, have you met Tyler before? No, I've never met Tyler. What's up, Tyler? Whoever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Maybe he's you
0: should meet marketing at uh, Vidyard and like okay. I've kept in touch with them, but I was ta- catching up with him earlier today and I was like, I feel like we've been keeping in touch cause I see you all the time, but we haven't talked in a really long time actually. And like when we yeah. first met, it was kind of one of those things where, Oh, I see this guy's content a lot. Like we should just jam, you know, on a, <laughs> on a podcast. So yeah. we've talked, yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you here, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you, man. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. This is uh we've chatted a couple of times and I, I wish we recorded the last conversations we actually had. Cause they were just, yeah, they were awesome. Um, uh, is, so now I just record every conversation I have, like I try to, because I'm like, shoot, I said some cool stuff that like I need to write about. And as as you know, as you do more content, th- yeah. like, your mind becomes like a hook machine. You're always thinking in hooks, you know? Yeah, uh, At least I do, because maybe I'm a weirdo, but like that's how I think. So I'm yeah. always like, dang, that was something good that like I should write about later and then I forget. And then, you know, you go all, and you're like, what was that one thing? And you're just like, shoot, I should have wrote it down. Well, let's.
0: That might be a good place to start at um, because you, what sticks out to me about you is that you've done so many things and that's, I used to look at, I, I relate with you a lot in that area because I started in B2C sales. I was a marketing director for three years. I've been a sales leader and mostly what I've spent the last decade doing is running businesses and all different kinds of businesses, like starting construction industry. And then it was like, consulting which is a lot of different things and now sales training and coaching and you have a i don't know if it's i would say similar type of background but similar in that it's like you have a very broad experience how do you feel like that's kind of shaped like what you're doing today maybe start by telling us a little bit more about what you are up to these days
1: yeah. Uh, so I'll start with something that a mentor once told me, which was, you know, the, his name is Matt Shobe, super awesome guy, sold a company to Google, friends with uh, like good friends with Dick Costello, the ex CEO of Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, we were on a walk one day and while we were on this walk, I asked him, I was like, what do you think like the greatest leaders and entrepreneurs, you know, what's their secret? And he goes, they're like a T-shape. And I go, what does that, I don't get to, what does that mean? And he goes, a T-shape is when they're good at a lot of, they're better than average at a lot of things. Yeah. But they're the best in one area, right? But everything else, mm-hmm. they're better than average. So they don't try to be the best at everything. They know they're best at one thing where they try to be the best, but then everything else they're above average. And so um, that kind of stuck with me, right? Because I've always been a person that's always followed their curiosity. You know, and so for me, that worked out, right? Because when I find something that I'm interested in, I also get very obsessive about it. So, and I yeah. get obsessive and I dive in and I learn everything. I read all the books. I, I take action more importantly than read all the books. And I dive in and I make mistakes and I do stupid things because uh, that's what it takes. And you feel like you suck, you know, when you're doing it. But guess what? That's part of the process. Um, so that, but that, you know, when you're obsessed with it, you just get through all those points. So yeah, um, going into, you know, I've always been like that, follow my curiosity and, you know, my career, it's been like that too, where I studied engineering, electrical and computer engineering, um, you know, right after school, then I, I moved down to Chile, South America, started a solar business. We went through like the Y Combinator of, uh, South America did that, came back pretty much joined outreach, you know, uh, was one of the early employees there and then yeah even while I was at outreach I would follow my curiosity and I would I would lead you know team I started in more customer success side and then mm-hmm. I moved in the and product side right and was pretty much doing everything when I started there which I loved because I love that zero to one phase because guess what you get to do a lot of different things and learn a lot right um and so yeah started there and then kind of I just learned every piece of the business just because I was curious and I tried to get as good as but better than average in a lot of the parts of the business. Um, and while doing that, I always started my own side hustles, my own apps, my own, you know, businesses. And I just kept that going just cause I was following my curiosity. Um, so that's a little bit of background. What I, what I think about the whole, um, you know, trying different things. And if, if people listening to this, if they haven't already, there's a great book called range that you should read. And it's, it's basically about why, like, um, I forget the title. It's like range, you know, why you should try to be a Jack of all trades in this day and age or something like that. But it's more a parenting book than anything. Uh, And it talks about like letting, you know, uh, why people who were kids who are let to do a lot of things are typically a lot more Mm -hmm. successful. Um, Right. And so great book. It's actually a parenting book in disguise, believe it or not, most people think it's a business book, but yeah, it's, it's a really good book um, that, preaches the importance of actually like following your curiosity learning a lot of things but anyways um, going back to that what am i doing now um, and then enough about me i want to hear from you jason because uh, i talk <laughs> a lot so <laughs> uh but i'm just making sure i give all the give all the background here what am i up to now uh, a couple of things my main you know mainly what i'm doing now is um i am building a new software company i recently just sold one called taplio Um, and now working on a new SaaS. uh, actually working on fundraising right now, which we can get into, which is a lot like sales, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, and then building that and we're going to launch in a couple months here. And, uh, you know, my, my goal there, my mission is just to build one of the greatest companies ever. Uh, and so I'm obsessed with doing that and we'll eventually get there and, you know, fundraising and that company is going to be called distribute and it's essentially going to help uh, turn all of your team into mini marketers, at least your customer facing folks. So, um, so that they can own more of the marketing process and and create more content and get conversions off of those. So that's going to be the idea, uh, or that's what we're building now. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much where we're at. And then brand 30, I run, which is a a community of over 4,000 people that helps, uh, you start generating leads on LinkedIn via content. So Yeah. yeah, that's where we're at Jason, but enough about me, man. Uh, let's talk about you, my friend. <laughs> oh God. <Yeah. laughs> Reverse therapy session. Um, yes, yes. I,
0: so th- what you said reminded me of a quote I love from Chase Jarvis and it's, uh, specialization is for insects and mm-hmm. I totally relate with you on, there's a brilliance to Tim Ferriss's work, I think in this area, because his whole thing is like 80, 20 rule. So how do you get into the top 20% of something really quickly? Like the minimum effective dose. And I think that like looking at your life is really interesting like that too, where it's, Hey, I want to be really, really good world-class in a few areas. For me, that's what I do for business and like the type of husband I am. And then when I'm a dad, it'll be the type of dad that I am. It's probably those two big buckets. The rest of the stuff like snowboarding I'm not trying to be an Olympian, but I want to be in the top 20% of it because then it gets really fun, you know? And I think that where I'm kind of going with that is that that is like a meta skill, you know, being able to pick up stuff really quickly and then having curiosity around learning stuff, I'm sure is what's made you so successful, especially when you were in sales full-time at outreach, where you're bringing in all of this experience as an engineer from customer success, from product. From all of these different areas, I'm sure it has had a huge effect on like your ability to really connect with customers, you're building products now,
1: what do you think? yeah, yeah, I would say like you're spot on there, and um you know, I would say one thing that you hit was like being able to learn quickly is a skill, right and mm-hmm. so. My wife and I and I always talk about this, but like I went to engineering school, like it set me up for success. And I, I, and I don't say that because it taught me how to code or it taught me how to like do a bunch of crazy math that, you know, I still totally forget how to do. But what it really taught me how to do was to think and be a clear thinker. Hmm. And I didn't just say like to think, but be a clear thinker. Right. And what I mean by clear thinking is how do you take a problem? How do you break that problem down? into, you know, it's, it's, its elements and then say, okay, well, before I dive into this, I need to learn this, 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 and this, right? And you, how to break up things in order to solve them, right? One big problem into smaller pieces. So I would say that's really what it taught me. Right. And that's what people say. Like, do you use your engineering degree? And, like, yeah, I do some code stuff now, like when I'm building, you know, making sure things are running okay. Am I in there all day, every day coding? No, because I have to do a bunch of go to market, fundraise, and all that stuff. So, no, uh, but I'm dangerous, right, with it uh, because I studied and all that. And it also taught me how to think all this engineering. So, going back to that, um, a skill is learning how to learn skills right and tim ferris as you mentioned is the master at that i think he talks about that in uh what what book it? didn't he become like a four-hour chef yeah four-hour chef he became he yeah. talked about becoming like a tango dancer too when he was in argentina and he learned how to become yeah. like pro in like a year where these whole other people have been doing it their whole lives and so yeah, yeah i think you know um but you have to be methodical and obsessed about it about it too like whatever it is you're learning right so there's there's definitely some i feel like personality traits that are tied to this as well like people that have more of an obsessive personality are going to do really well when trying to learn new things and learn if you can break mm. up the pieces quickly and then also have an obsessive personality then I mean, you're going to learn very quickly, right? Which which yeah. so happens to be that I have that obsessive personality, which is a, a blessing and a yeah. curse sometimes because, you know, sometimes it's great in learning new things, but sometimes you can't get your mind off of that thing. And so you're you're yeah. not fully like, you're not fully present in some scenarios and all that. So yeah. yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. And, you know, I would never say, hey, you should always be obsessive or whatever because there's some, there's some, disadvantages it to it too
0: yeah I'm gonna I bookmarked unplugging was what I wrote down from what you shared at the very beginning so we're gonna we're gonna come back to that yeah. how you think about that okay. um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is a good place to spend some time because if if a rep is listening to mm-hmm. this you know, or a, a sales leader and a lot of times the the people that are gravitate towards our content they happen to be in kind of the earlier parts of their careers usually. So within the first five years, let's say, of their sales career, and you said, be a clear thinker. Do you have any examples that you can share of maybe even something that you're learning right now, like how you break down something? Because the way that this relates, I think, for reps and sales leaders is I'm a rep and I'm selling into a new patch. Uh, I'm selling into a new ICP. I just got hired at a company where I have to learn about a new persona. I am moving from SMB to mid-market. I'm moving from commercial to enterprise, whatever it might be. How do you, like, what's the process if you had to unpack it to, like, break something yeah. down, just to make it a little more malleable for people?
1: Yeah, the, the first thing I would do, so in that scenario, which this isn't uncommon, but to break something down, you have to study first what is being done. Right and study the mm-hmm. habits of other people. So what I would say is like, look at the person that's done what you've done, and act, t- You know, t- Tim Ferriss talks about this. Tony Robbins talked about this. Right, learn from they get the best coaches. Right, learn from the best. So pick the best person at your company that's done a hard patch. You know, whatever whoever has the most relatable experience, and study them obsessively. And I'm not saying join one call of theirs because that's one data point. Right. You want a bigger sample size. So what I would do is I would literally like at outreach when I first got thrown in like enterprise sales, I would literally listen to people who've been in the game the longest and who I thought were the best. Not because they had the highest number, because sometimes that's a lot of luck in sales. We can have a whole nother conversation about that. But like the people that I knew genuinely had the foundations and were masters of the foundations of sales per se right? Because what you're really trying to master is what the foundations are. So you pick the person based who you think is the best on the foundations, right? Not who can use some new tool, the best, or who can use some, some zoom info or outreach, the best with great products, by the way, but like who just has the foundations of what you need for this role, the best, and then study them obsessively. Don't listen to one call, listen to 10 calls, listen to 20, listen to every call they've done over the past month. Right. And then you'll find, you'll be able to bucket your own kind of trends that you see or habits that they do that te- that start to resonate with prospects, right? So you may say, Oh, this person, before they end every call, they do this little thing. Or when they start every call they do, they add this some sort of credibility so that people start listening or that they do this little thing. So it's not looking for who everyone else thinks is the best is you understanding what are the foundations of this. And maybe you, you, you ask the best, what are the foundations? And then you go on seeking the persons that are foundations at the best, not just the, the clear winner in one little s- small area. Right. So that's the first place I would start. Um, and then you kind of talked about clear thinking, which is like when you're learning too. like, there's this quote that, that I really love. Uh, from Charlie Munger, which is, he says something like, I never allow myself to hold an opinion on anything that I don't know the other side's argument better than they do. Yeah. Right? And what I I interpret that is, as is like seeing both sides of like, okay, this side may think this is the best way to do it. This other side may think this is the best way to do it. And it's a complete opposite way. But having an understanding of both sides before you form that opinion, I think is also very important, right? When you're learning mm-hmm. something new, the, a top rep over here may say one thing and a top rep may have another way of doing things, but understanding both before you're like, Oh, this is the best way. And so.
0: And that's I, can, like,
1: I, can I ask you yeah, real quick on that? How do you yeah. determine if
0: something, <laughs> what are you using to detect if something is a personal preference versus a fundamental difference in belief so an example of that would be <laughs> cold email people generate yeah. meetings off cold emails you look at one rep they write emails that are over a hundred words which were quote unquote not supposed to do now yeah over 80 words let's say and you got yeah. one rep that writes 50 word emails both of them book meetings one saying it has to be under this one saying it has to be under that. To me, that's a clear like, Oh, there's personal preference here. And if we step back, we could probably look at fundamental things that both of them are probably doing that are similar. It's probably more about the other person and less about themselves. It's probably got some yeah. sort of reason why they're reaching out in there, maybe some sort of social proof. How, but my question is how do you recommend, or how do you detect whether something is a someone's personal preference Versus looking at what are the fundamental things that maybe two people accomplishing the same result might have in common.
1: Yeah. So in that specific example, let's look at the cold email. Should it be short or should it be long? And let's look at both sides, right? Should it be short? Yes. Short works. Great. Does long work? Long also works, right? Mm -hmm. So I've booked cold email. I've done long emails. They work. But here's the thing when you look at the foundation of this, both work, right? Because both have worked in the past. The reason some people say write short, right? Is because before you could write a good long email that's engaging, you have to be able to write a short one that's engaging. So as I think through that, I say, okay, well, can I write a short one that's good? No. Well, then why the hell would I write a long one? Try and write a long one that's good. Yeah. Right. That's literally my logic. So when people, it's the same thing with LinkedIn content. So if someone's like, Oh shit, like LinkedIn, don't your posts have to be really long. And people will like write super long posts just because they think that I would say 80% of people do this because I know Mm -hmm. because of, you know, a lot of people in brand 30 and they'll say, Oh, it has to be long because it's LinkedIn. No, it doesn't. I've had my, some of my best performing posts have been literally three lines. Right. And so when I tell people who start creating on LinkedIn, they're like, well, I need to write a long post because that's what like the culture of LinkedIn is. And I'm like, sure, those work if you can do them well. But before you can get to that point, you need to be able to write a short post. Yeah. Right. And so like going back to that, like cold email, if you look a lot uh, at these like people that that book money off of emails or get meetings off of emails, like the, the gurus, right? They, some of their emails are like two pages long, but guess what? they have a format and they know that this email works based on practice because first they start with an engaging story and then they put a photo and then blah, 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 blah. Right. So those emails work. Right. I've not know if, you know, I'll tell you, cause I've bought stuff from them. You know, you probably yeah. have two that are like long and engaging. Um, so again, I don't think there's a preference either, or going back to what you said, I think it's, it, it it's one of those, like, it depends. Right. Yeah. But if I'm a brand new rep and I'm asking, Hey, should I do short or long emails? And it's the wrong question. It's exactly. It is the wrong question because it depends. It's it's not short or long. It's when should I do short or when should I do long?
0: That's even like, yeah, or even a book. A lot of this makes me think of just like first principles thinking like distilling something down to like, what is the most basic fundamental truth here? The most basic fundamental truth is that if you're prospecting and you're sending emails, you're doing it to get a reply. And ideally yeah. that reply is some sort of interest in a meeting that otherwise we wouldn't do it, right? That That is the goal. Mm-hmm. And I think if you step back and kind of look at, well, what is the goal of what I'm doing? And there are a lot of ways of doing it. I think people get, where I'm kind of going with this is, I, li- I love this, um, I don't know if it was developed in Australia. I don't know how extensively they use it in the United States, but it's it's called Format. It's the number four and then MAT. It's the structure that they use in higher education to create curriculum. So it's based on why, what, how. And I think a lot of the sales advice that's given, not just on LinkedIn, it's mostly internal at these companies. It's very how-driven. It's tactic. It's Andrew. Next time you make a cold call, say, Hey, it's Jason with outbound squad. You got 27 seconds for me to tell you the reason for my call. Like we give a really prescriptive thing and don't even talk about, Hey, what are we trying to accomplish in the first 30 seconds? Yeah. You know? And I think that what we're talking about, it just comes with a part of this. I think I'm curious your perspective. It comes from experience. Like if you're not doing the first thing that you said, looking at past successes and doing pattern detection. And just like just downloading a bunch of data, just like AI does, right? You got to have the data in order to like actually do something with it. If you're not doing that part and just spending, you know, hundreds of hours consuming data on this and then doing it, you're not going to be able to actually detect any patterns and you're not going to really understand what the first principles are. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was a great analogy. It's, it is like the AI, right? Like they didn't just spit out AI, like that thing. They spent years training that AI, consuming all the information from the internet and then building it's how we work. Right. And the Mm. difference here is we, you know, here's another thing about learning since we're kind of on this topic, which is you got to like consume and then put in action, consume, put in action. It's like this loop, right? It's like, If you've ever tried snowboarding, you talked about snowboarding earlier, right? You got to get up. You got to learn how to carve on your edges and then you're going to fall. But then what? Guess what? You get up again. Try carve on your, on your back edge or your front edge, get up, you'll you'll fall. It's literally that same. If you surf, same thing. You try and get on a wave, stand up, you fall. You just keep going and going and going. And so whenever I'm like, shoot, I suck at this. I just remember that like, Hey, remember when you started surfing or snowboarding it's fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up. Yeah. And you overall it looks, yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 I grew up oh, we got to hit this. Um, we got to hit the slopes yeah. sometime together, man. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it, man. Yeah. Mostly surfing now. Um, but yeah, you can teach me to I'm surf. A, yeah. Yeah. It' Very similar. If you've got some balance, but you gotta, you gotta understand we won't get into it. But anyways, um, yeah, like, you know, definitely you gotta, you gotta, and a lot of people want to read like a, like the, the whole book before they start anything and then like read all the books. And like I, quite honestly, I used to do that too, right? Yeah. But really, my new kind of level of thinking is like I just start doing the thing that I need to do. Like fundraising, right? Fundraising for this new company. We're doing pretty well considering the market and the bank collapse and everything that happened. But, you know, I just started doing it and it was scary for sure. But then as I go through it, I talk to friends who've done it. I do it. And I'm like, shoot, I screwed that up. Maybe I should change this. Maybe I should change that. And you start to like, become like a, a, you start to learn how these people think. Right. Because you're going through it and you're like, "Nope, I should have took a left here when I took a right, or I should have said this when I said that, or here's how I should have positioned that. And the only way you're going to really learn that is by doing. Um, and so while I'm a proponent of like studying the best for sure take what the, you learn from the best and then put it in action as quick as you can and like yeah. learn yeah and, and and that's the mistake too that I think not not just in corporate education education in general right it's it's a lot of like hey here's all the studies and the the books and all that but then if you never put it to use it's tough
0: you know yeah it's, i it's
1: think that's a big a stick
0: yeah I love that visual too. I actually drew it on my iPad here that consume and take action because if you're not taking action at like two, three, four times the amount of time that you're consuming stuff, what are you doing? You know, um, but I want to talk about the psychology of that because <laughs> so what we both have in common that a lot of people listening to this won't is that we've both run businesses before. And I don't know if you have failed businesses. I have failed many of them. This is the only business I've run. That's been like, that's made it, Oh
1: yeah, dude, tons <laughs> you know? Of yeah, so <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. And that. they weren't
0: like yeah. massive failures. It's just, yeah, they weren't like massive failures. It was just, it never really gained any, any kind of steam. Direction. And yeah. what I think is important to talk about is that like, What it sounds like you have here is your ego or whatever you want to call it is at a place where you can do that. And I want to talk about, was that something you had to learn? Because the application here is very relevant for a sales rep, whether it's I'm cold calling for the first time at this company, or I'm an account executive, and maybe I haven't had to do much cold calling up until this point, and now I have to, and it's a new thing. And people just kind of just procrastinate it. And people like us, people that start businesses, especially there's more of like a, let's just go start doing it and read the books afterwards when we figure out what we need help with. Or if you're smart, which this is something I'm learning how to do, because I've been really dumb in this area is ask people that, you know, that are very successful at this for guidance. That's the biggest hack in the, or hire a coach. Those are like the biggest hacks when you're learning something new. But my question for you is, have you always been just willing to just try something like that without Um, fear of risk? Is that a skill that you've had to develop or?
1: For sure. A skill like I would like, this is a nature versus nurture kind of, you know, thing like I (laughs) I think it's definitely like a, you know, a nurture situation. I, you know, I won't get too much into my background, but yeah, basically, you know, I grew up with a single mom uh, who was an immigrant. Mm. You know, we grew up, we grew up in the projects of LA uh, suburb of LA, I should say. Right. So I grew up in the ghetto. Um, you know, just a single mom didn't have much. Now with that, I've had to learn to like see things and just, you know, roll with the punches. And I've done that my whole life. So like when I see little things like this, I'm like, Oh yeah, what people see is a big problem. I'm like, just like call them and Get it done like it's it, like you'll you'll figure it out, you know like to me <laughs> it's just just do it and you'll figure it out somehow you just gotta start doing it um whereas you know other people that maybe haven't had to roll with the punches as much for sure it's a little more daunting to either pick up the phone or do any of that, so going back to make it about the audience right it's like you have to put in the reps, I think sometimes to gain some confidence and like confidence unfortunately isn't, in my opinion, gained overnight, you know, like there's typically some trigger event or some series of events in which you develop this type of confidence. Think of cold calling. Like, you know how scary that is? The first time I cold called, I was like, holy shit. And then the 10th yeah. time you're like, holy crap, this is still kind of scary. And then the 50th time you're like, ah, a little less scary. And then the hundredth day you do it, you're like, this is a breeze. This is just like, I've got my, I've got it down. You know, yeah. um, and it it feels like riding a bike. And so again, you you know, it comes with going through the motions of that. And I think most of what the gurus won't tell you about confidence or any of that is like, yeah, you like you said, this business worked, but how many didn't work before this? Same with me, like people see the the big highlights or whatever. But guess what? Like I've had so much shit that's failed and like done nothing over the past like 10 years, you know. Um And maybe my fault for not talking about it, you know, because sometimes we're more likely to share stuff that works versus doesn't. Um, And that's a problem that, you know, I think we all have. Personally, I -hmm. probably should get better at that, too. Um, But, yeah, overall, I think it's definitely a nurture thing. And, you know, when people say, oh, enjoy the process, like this is really what they mean right is like learn to understand under the hood that you need to you're going to suffer and you're going to not hit the home run every time you're going to do this and that's what keeps people st- like some people stop because of that right and then the ones that keep going are the ones that get over that hump and you've probably seen that like uh that graph that's like it, it's like a you know flat 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 and it says this is pointless at a certain yeah. point, And then right after that, it like shoots up, you know, and you start compounding mm-hmm. your skill or whatever. That's literally how I would depict this whole situation, right? You're going to feel like, shit, I'm not doing anything for a long time. And then something's going to click and you're going to hit that movement. Um, just like LinkedIn, man. Like you've probably seen that happen at a certain point. I saw that happen just past December, you know, uh, where something clicked. We can go into that too if we want to have that combo. But um, yeah, man, it's, it's always happening when you're doing new things. Yeah, I
0: think self-esteem is a really connected part to this. And where I'm going with that is, uh, let me know, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like you get your self-esteem from the stuff that's more under your control. So like the process you said, like learning stuff, it seems like you're more thinking more about that and less about what people are going to think about you. If you fail i I think that uh like sales is one of those things where it's it reminds me I used to do standup comedy you have to be willing yeah. to fail in front of people so that's yeah. like failing on a cold call that's failing in a cold email that's failing on a sales call those are the worst dude when you're in a like learning how to do sales and running sales calls and you suck and, yeah. and like you're wasting yeah. someone's yeah. time you know what I mean like it sucks dude um is any of that accurate what I said, or or does this stuff kind of bother you a little bit, or like I I, I think of like it, it, it's just what I hear is it seems you tend to really focus on process and stuff that's like more in your control and less of the
1: stuff that's sort of not in your control. There's a there's a great quote on this, and I speak in quotes just because like uh, I I love quotes are, really re- yeah. Well, you haven't that. shared any cheesy quotes so far. That's that's why I like yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do some no. Talladega Nights quotes in a minute. But Oh, those um, are great. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so there's, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you worry about what other people think. Yeah. In your 40s and 50s, you stop worrying about what other people think. And then finally, in your 60s and 70s, you realize you were never, people were never thinking about you in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, that that kind of sums up my thoughts. Right. Is like, how yeah. do I think like the 70 year old in this case? Yeah. That's the hack, right. Is to accelerate that curve. Yeah. That's the hack is like you realizing that people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves and yeah. like, sure. They'll troll and be like, Oh, this guy's lame. Da, 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 da. Or this guy, you know, when you start posting on LinkedIn, you're very worried about it. Um, but how do you, how do you get to the point where you don't care what they think you put in the reps, just like what we were talking about. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Some people have that natural, like uh, they've never cared. Uh, I feel like that's very, very rare, but like, yeah, of course I cared right at the beginning, what people thought of me, what my coworkers thought of me, of course. But now as I went on, I didn't give a shit because you put, I put in the reps enough to be like, you know what you realize that they don't like, they can make fun of you or whatever, but they're thinking about themselves and they're kind of projecting. They may projecting that like, they make you for posting on LinkedIn. They're probably like thinking in their heads, maybe I should do that one day. Yeah. And they're like validating themselves, not doing it by making fun of someone else. Right. Yeah. And that's really what's happening because I I'll tell you from a personal experience, I've learned about people when I started this two or three years ago, them like, you know, making fun of me and I kind of heard it in the background, whatever. And then now that same person is asking me, "Hey, how do I like grow on LinkedIn?" You know, yeah. So like, it's so and, lame, right? When people do shit yeah, like that, it's <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But you know, but yeah. you know, you want to be a bigger person. I don't care. I'm like, and I tell them everything that I would tell you. I told them the same thing. Yeah. Hey, you know, and because you know, it sure to me, it's showed maturity. It's so like, hey, they've kind of mm. realized that, like, hey, they need to. You know, it's important. Um, and he goes back to that other quote. It's like first people think you're crazy and then they follow, you know, whatever that Steve Jobs quote is, they think you're, you know, um, and so, yeah, I, you know, so I guess our hack and kind of the, to close the loop on this, it's like, realize that people aren't ever thinking about you anyways, (laughs) they're thinking about yourself and what you're, what you're creating in your head is that little narrative of like, Oh my gosh, this person's thinking this this person's thinking that they honestly, they're thinking about what they're eating for dinner. They're probably not thinking about you. And if they are, it's probably 24 hours max and then they move on to the next thing. Especially with social media and stuff today, you know, like they're on to the next. Yeah. Um, And when I tell people Brand 30 is they do the course, I'm like, hey, look, look, if you put something out, a post that sucks, people aren't going to remember it. And if you put out a post that's great, they will remember it. So you win either way. Yeah. And they probably won't remember it for very long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like exactly, you know, they won't. And it goes back to, uh, they won't remember it for long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be the best. It's such a for short, yeah. It's such yeah. a short shelf life. Um, let's yeah. talk about personal brand dude.
0: Um, yeah, let's yeah. think about through the lens of someone listening to this. That's maybe on the fence. So, they're like, oh, I want to post on LinkedIn. I'm kind of hesitant. I don't know if I should. All of that kind of stuff. If we just kind of step back from a, uh, for a second, yeah. what are your thoughts on having a personal brand as a sales rep? Is that something that sales reps should be thinking about doing? What are the benefits of that? Maybe what are the cons? Just practice what you said earlier around understanding both sides. Like, What are the pros and cons of investing in a personal brand? for someone that's really seriously
1: thinking through this? Um, Oh man, this is a, there's a lot to this question. Uh, The the first, I'll do a quote just because I'm on this quote kick, but like (laughs) Naval has this quote, right? And he goes like, uh, and he goes, learn to build, learn to sell. If you can do both, you'll be unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Building things today is getting really easy compared yeah. to what it was 10 years ago with chat GPT and coding anything like, dude, like it's, it's getting really easy. So learning to build, it's great, right? Like it's getting a lot easier. Learning to sell, selling's is getting a lot harder. All right. Yeah. And so if we break it, why is it getting a lot harder? Because there's more noise. There's more saturation things because things are getting easier to build. They, they're they very, they're correlated, right? And because things are getting easier to build, they're getting harder to sell. right? And what does that mean? Because things are getting harder to sell, who wins in that scenario? The people that can capture attention. Sales is all yeah. about mind share, right? Even if you're in a deal, outreach versus sales loft, right? love sales loft, love outreach, obviously it was early at outreach. but like like who wins the deals really? It's whoever has more mind share in the person in the customer organization you're trying to sell. Right. Like that's who wins. Like when you're not in the room, who are people thinking about more outreach or sales off? Right. Like that is who wins the deal. And that is because you have their attention and sales has always been about capturing attention and keeping attention. Right. Yeah. And so if you think th- like, if you think about if you have a face on the internet in the digital world and you can get people's attention in their eyeballs. Right that you're 80% of the way there. Like yep. it's it's such a hack. However, you can't get that hack overnight. Like this is where it comes down to like the real athletes in the sales world are the ones that understand, like the top athletes in the sales world are the ones that understand that you need to have, you know, an audience online and people's attention. Those are like, if you look at the best of the best salespeople, they're doing it because they know yeah. it's a game of attention. It's not a game of, who can, who has the best golden tongue and can say the sweetest and most charming things on that one call, right? No, it's people that can, what's the hardest thing right now? Getting a meeting with someone. That's the hardest part of the whole p- process. And you know who can do it? The people who can get someone's attention in creative ways. Well, if you, if you could put sales rep a and B next to each other and run a test and you could tell me that in With one LinkedIn post, someone could grab the eyeballs of 50,000 people and Rep B was going to try and do the same thing with cold email and cold calling. Who are you going to have to pick on your team? I know who I'm picking. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I know who I'm picking. Yeah. Day and night, you know? So, I mean, it's a game of attention, man. And, like, this is what people need to realize. And, like, and, and I get really... Uh, passionate about this because I I think people are slow to or are, are not catching on fast enough right mm-hmm. and it's like prospecting is no longer sending a cold email and doing a cold <laughs> call prospecting like because people do that to capture attention now what prospecting overall is is capturing attention and what does that mean what's another way easy way to capture attention that's putting out content and publishing online like it Right. That is a way to capture attention. And on LinkedIn, if you can do one freaking post and have a thousand people see it and the post could just be absolute garbage. It doesn't even have to be that good. Right. And a 500 people could see it. If I told you that, Hey, you as a sales rep tomorrow can go on stage and tell 500 people, anything you wanted to tomorrow and relate it to your product. Would you do that? Of course you would. Right. Yeah. If you're a good, if, if you want, if, if your job is sales, hopefully you would. You could literally do the same thing in five minutes, right? And so people, I think, kind of get confused of like, hey, well, it's not instant gratification, right? Yeah. And so because of that, it's hard to essentially say, hey, you know what? I want to keep doing this and I'm going to keep doing it because it's not instant gratification. It's it's the long game. And this is going back. What's funny is it's coming full circle because now this is this is going back to the true art of sales, building relationships, right? And guess what? You don't build relationships overnight. Most of the time you do it over time and you can do that with your audience online, you know, and people don't see it in that way yet. They're starting to catch on, but you know, it, it, hopefully it happens a lot faster just because I truly want to help sales people. But it's, it's yeah. such a, it's such a low hanging fruit right now for people to go on LinkedIn. Cause guess what? Five years from now, you know, hard it is going to get this much reach on LinkedIn it's going to be way more yeah. hard. It's going to be like Twitter, right? Where you post something and you're lucky. If you have zero followers, you're lucky to get five views. You can post something now with zero followers on LinkedIn. It could go viral. Like, yeah, there's not many other platforms where you can do that. Maybe TikTok, but yeah. that's about it. Like, it's crazy, man. It's yeah.
0: crazy. No, it is. Yeah. I have a few thoughts on that. So I think the biggest mistake, let me know what you think that people make is thinking that I can do all my lead gen as a rep on social and that that's the purpose. Like no, mixing no, no, no. in phone and email into the mix, that's the golden trifecta right there. Is if I can get people yeah. to see me as a brand, it's, dude, it's how I prospect, man. I fired yeah. off an email to a prospect yesterday and got a meeting because they listened to one of my podcasts and then talked to the, they meant to reach out to the guest afterwards and said, great podcast. And the guest was like, Hey, you should reach out to them. They're actually like might be in the market for this. And I sent her a cold email, a, a cold email. It's someone that listens to my podcast. You know what I mean?
1: So <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. it's, a, and
0: like has seen my LinkedIn post. So, um, so I think that's an important detail. And then the other thing, so I, I'm thinking about why don't more people do this? I think that it is a, I think a big part of it is this is such a, it's a much harder skill than calling and emailing, I think, because it's so foreign. It's so new. Most people have talked on the phone with people before and they write emails internally. So it doesn't seem like that much of a reach. And I think the mental leap to like, Oh, I'm a content creator. I think that that's too far of like an identity leap for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the skill of doing it is so foreign because people don't usually. How, Dude, how many people do you know in your personal life before you got into business? They create content. It's so few people that actually publish content. So yeah. few people, yeah. dude.
1: You know, what do you, what do few, you think? But, I, I, but 99% are like, I need to get started and I need to do that. But right. they'll probably never do it though, is the thing. Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? It's, it's everyone like wants a, to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what do you think is the gap? Like what do you think? Because you run a you know, your brand thirty, this is what you help people get started doing. Like for the people yeah. that why don't more people yeah. do this? Like what is the what
1: is the barrier? This is a great question because the whole first week, and this is not me pitching brand thirty, this is just because I've <laughs> I've taught four thousand people this, right? No, Man, people should go learned, check it out. Though you should definitely yeah. go check out Brand Thirty; it's good stuff. And what I used to do is go straight into the tactics. Right? Here's mm-hmm. how to do this. Here's how to do that. And the mistake I made was, hey, it's not that people like need to know the tactics; they can read this all day online. They need to get into the right mindset first. So, literally, the first week of Brand Thirty is getting into mindset. We don't even post the first week. Yeah. Right. And we make everything easy. We give them the systems. We tell you, here's how you create your system. Here's how you think about it. Here's how you get over. And this is going to be the biggest thing that people will have. Here's how you get over imposter syndrome. Here's how no. you get over caring what people think about you. Here's how you get over perfectionism. It's those three things. Caring what people think, which is a tough one. Imposter syndrome, right, is another big one. And so it's just, th- those are the bit in perfectionism. Yeah. Right. Because we can get into why some of this stuff, but we talk about how to get over it and we can talk three hours about this over beers or some whiskey or whatever. But like, um, <laughs> really though, it comes down to those three, you know, because yeah. I- I'll tell you the, kind of the skinny on each of them. Perfectionism we're taught like in school and our whole lives, like, you need a hyphen here, you need a period here. This is where you use a semicolon. And we kind of give all these rules, right? And we have and people think they need to write linearly and do things linearly, when really it's not. It's more like Legos and thinking and ideas. So that that's yep. one thing. And, and you know, I won't go too much into that. The other is imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome, what, what that's seated in is that's really seated in one thing. And it's seated in you comparing yourself against other people. And that's what I've learned. It's you saying, oh, shoot, I feel like I'm an imposter because I'm not actually like as cool as this person over here who's also posting about the same thing. And it comes from a comparison. And so once you say that, hey, once you think I'm not competing against that person, I'm competing against myself. And once people that clicks, poof, that helps get rid of that. Right. And that's imposter. And then there's the part about caring what other people think. And that comes from just a lot of repetition and just putting stuff out there and realizing wow. that, like, yeah, people are going to judge, but really they're still thinking about themselves the whole time. I, I don't really have a solution to that other than putting in the reps as we talked about. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I can't I, tell I think, you something. You yeah. have to just do it. Yeah. I think I love this, by the way. I think
0: one thing that's important to note is that I don't know about you, I still deal with all three of those things all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I have perfectionist do tendencies. We all do. Um, yeah. imposter syndrome on a weekly basis and some various form. I think the key though, is to just acknowledge it and be aware of it and not allow it to de- debilitate you any kind of way. It's like, you're going to yeah. this stuff is going to come up, you know? Um, yeah, I want to be mindful of time here. We've talked about learning. We've talked about confidence. We've talked about personal brand. What do you think for a rep that's listening right now or a sales leader that's thinking about any of the stuff that we've talked about, what are like one or two things that they can do to take what they've consumed and put it into action?
1: Oh, this is good. Um, take the transcript to this, summarize it with chat GPT. It will take you literally 10 seconds. And then say, hey, I listen to a podcast. I summarize this with ChatGPT. Here's some great thoughts on confidence, imposter syndrome, and whatever. Boom. And hit publish. There's something actionable. Most people think when you're publishing that you have to be the expert. You don't. Actually, more more people are building big audiences right now from curating the experts. Right? Yeah. You can be the guide showing hey, here's all the great productivity things today. Look at AI tools. These people building massive followings of AI, they're not building any AI. These people are not builders. Some of them are. Some of them are just curating the top 10 AI tools of the day that are coming out because it's like mind-blowing yeah. every single day, right? They're just curating. So you could do that too. That's the one thing that I'll kind of take. Uh, the second thing I'll, I'll say here from something actionable is like, you know, the first one was related to like, start start hitting publish, right? You can do that. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to do that. Um, the second thing is like, if you want to learn something new, go find the person that you're going to learn it from and ask them if you yeah. can learn from them. Like best thing to do, right? Like I run Ironmans, you know, and I was like, shoot, I have four months to do this. I've never done it in my life. What did I do? I went and got a coach, right? Yeah, no way in hell is going to try and do that alone and like figure it out, right? How do you how do you run a marathon, a bike, one hundred twenty miles on a bike, and swim two and a half miles in less than fifteen hours in a day? And I have four months to figure out how to, how to do this. <laughs> get a coach, right? Like it's yeah. you know get a coach to learn from or an accountability partner, right? Yeah. Like this is a hack too. Find someone who wants yeah. to do the same journey as you. And say, hey, let's be partners. Here's each of our, here's the expectations that we will set with each other. I'm about to do this with YouTube. I'm going to find a YouTube accountability partner, someone that I can learn from and that will hold me accountable and I'll hold them accountable. Right. And so it's not going to be some million sub person, you know, right. It's going to be a friend that's also probably in the middle of getting started, maybe a little bit ahead of me, but like, that's important. You know, find it. Find an accountability partner. That's what I would do if you want to learn anything, right? If it's posting on LinkedIn, find someone that wants to start with you, so you don't feel like you're doing it alone. Yeah. Uh, and those are the two actionable things I'd give people to to do anything they want, <laughs> right? Love it. So take what you learn,
0: post a summary on LinkedIn. We'd appreciate it, and you're going to appreciate yeah. it for yourself. <laughs> and
1: yeah. then go
0: find a person to learn from. I uh, that's been my biggest weakness that I've been working on the last six months is. If you really think about your network, your family, your friends, your parents, your coworkers, and the people that they know, there is someone in your network that can help you probably with just about anything that you want to get better at. Like it's there. You just need to ask, you know, um, where can people go to connect with you, man? I know you're doing a lot of stuff, but where's the best place to, for people to learn more about you and what you do and all that kind of stuff.
1: Just LinkedIn, man. Andy, Muborn, LinkedIn, uh, shoot me a connect request. Uh, yeah, that's the best place.